What's up, Mets fans? Welcome back to a special episode of the Mets Up Podcast. Today, not going to be hearing from us. Instead, you're going to be hearing from Howie Rose and Mets owner Steve Cohen. These are two of the most important figures in Mets world and two guys who you know introduction. So don't forget to come back and listen to our regular episodes as well. We've been doing a ton of off-season content and we're doing a bunch during the regular season after every single series we drop a new episode. So we hope to hear from you guys soon. Get up, get, get up, get up. Hi, and welcome to a very special edition of the Mets Up Podcast. I'm Howie Rose, the radio play-by-play voice of the New York Mets. And I want to thank our regular hosts on this feature, James Schiano and Mark Luino, who heard the owner was going to be on. And they said, oh, no, we're not the ones going to talk to him. You take it. So I am more than happy to welcome Steve Cohen, the chairman and chief executive officer, as well, of course, as the owner of the New York Mets. And Steve, first off, thanks so much for being here. And, you know, I think back to the last time we did this, I think you would own the club oh, for about all of six weeks. And then we were hit with a pandemic. Does that seem like a generation ago now? Man, that, that first year was a wild one. A lot lot going on that first year. But, uh, yeah, we managed through it somehow. And, and uh, so looking forward to this year. And, and by the way, I want to congratulate you, Howie, on – uh, being inducted in the Mets Hall of Fame, along with uh, Al and Gary and Howard. And uh, we're looking forward to that. I think the day is June 3rd. And let, I don't want to forget Jay Horowitz. He's going to get the Achievement Award. Yeah, it should be a great day. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, between Tom Seaver and me, you know, we've combined for 311 wins and three Cy Young Awards. So I feel like, yeah, equal footing. That's about right. And, you know, it's, it's always been a good combo. Thank you. And I do miss Tom, by the way, having worked with him as well as grown up watching him. But um, that was then. And, and this is now. And what's now is also uh, really aimed at the future. And you're going to have a futuristic new scoreboard. We're going to get into a lot of different things about the ball club. And, but I know that um, we've already seen some pictures start to leak, at least in terms of the skeletal, skeletal frame of the big new scoreboard, how, how different is it going to be from what we've had so far? Well, all, all I know is when I'm looking at the scoreboard from my box, I'm squinting, okay? I don't think you're going to have to squint to see this. It's going to be, the graphics are going to be amazing. It's, you know, the newest technology. We're excited. I mean, uh, I think it's going to add a lot to the, you know, game and fan experience. Um, so it's, it's just an example of, of some of the stuff that we're thinking about and doing uh, that the fans will, when they get to the ballpark, they'll see some changes, Ch- changes in different sections of the ballpark, different lounges. Um, you know, it's part of my commitment to continually try to improve the fan experience at the, at, at the park. And so, um, you know, and we'll continue to do that along the way. I know that you've had listening sessions conducted with many of the fans. How have those worked? What kinds of ideas have been exchanged and how many of them do you think you can successfully implement? Well, I mean, we have 50 acres of asphalt. That's the parking lot, right? And what, and what can we do with it? And so it's really important for, for me to reach out to the community and, and try to listen to some of the things that they would like to see. I mean, we have an amazing waterfront right there. and it, We want to connect that the waterfront to, you know, Flushing Meadow Park going through where our stadium is. And so, um, you know, all sorts of interesting idea, high-speed ferries to, as opposed to people driving and, and community-type uh, facilities that, 
you know, will enhance, you know, just being being in the area and and, and attract people down to the ballpark and the and the surrounding area that we're going to develop. I mean, we're we're going to be we're thinking about an entertainment complex. I mean, I've I've, I've listened to the fans and you know they they've been telling me there's nothing to do you know before the game and after the game. And I, I kind of disagree with that. You can get your muffler changed and you can get your time. Okay, but are they open late? Well, you know, they, they might open late for the right price. So um, <laughs> other ballparks have lots of entertainment, lots of um, reason to stay around the ballpark, um, restaurants and bars and you know, other forms of entertainment. There's no reason why we can't do that, too. And so we're actively listening to the community, act- actively listening to the fans. Um, I always say I'll take a good idea from anybody. And uh, but I'm enjoying the whole process of just engaging and trying to figure out, you know, what to do with 50 acres of asphalt. What kind of a timeline do you have for when something visible and tangible will sprout, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's some sort of uh, housing complex or other type of uh, entertainment uh, areas? What, What in the short term do you envision coming first? Well, you know, I, I do think we're going to have to create a master plan. And uh, we're in the process of thinking about that and thinking about possibilities. And so it's, listen, it, this is going to take a while. I mean, to do something great and to build it um, is is not going to be a, uh, you know, something that's going to happen overnight. But, but, you know, I'm thinking long term and I'm thinking about what's best for the community, what's best for our fans over the next 10, 20 years. Where would that stuff be located? Would that be on the other side of Seaver Way or will that area be used for parking and maybe things even closer to the ballpark will pop up? Well, we're going to use the parking lot and then build garages and, and, and try to improve the traffic flow at the same time. If we can spread out uh, people arriving to the ballpark and leaving after the game, leaving at different times, maybe sticking around and having a drink or having a bite after the game, It'll smooth out the traffic situation that, that we're in right now, where uh, everybody leaves, arrives at the same time and leaves at the same time. And so I think it'll actually you know, make for a better fan experience, uh, reduce traffic. Um, and so that, that's one of our goals. We talked a little bit about the scoreboard, but I know there are some other things going on inside the ballpark having to do with uh, things other than specifically the team, which we're going to get to in a moment. But when somebody shows up in April to City Field, apart from the new scoreboard, what else will they notice right off the bat as different and perhaps and hopefully better? Yeah, we're, we're improving seating around the stadium. We're building out in right field. We're building out a whole new section. Uh, I think the fences are coming in eight feet to, to accommodate what we're designing. Um, there's new low seating, low seating uh, where suites used to be. Um, we're, we're planning out um, d- additional places where people can hang out and have a drink and, and hang out with their buddies. And so, um, um, you know, it's all in an effort. You know, when you go to a game, the game's the most important thing, but the world's changed. People want to be entertained in different ways. And we want to provide that entertainment for whether it's the hardcore fan or whether the casual fan. Well, the best way to entertain them, of course, is to put a winning team on the field. That helps. We did that, that last helps. year with that helps. 101. Yeah, it sure helps. And you yeah. thought you'd help it even more 
when it looked like Carlos Correa was going to uh, sign with the Mets. But uh, that's the last thing from the offseason I want to touch on. I know yeah. that he is under contract to another team, so you're limited in, in what you can say. But any misgivings about how it how it all shook out? Right. Listen, I really can't talk about it because he is playing for another team other than when I wish him well. And we have a pretty good team ourselves, let's not forget. I mean, so it's a, I'm excited about the team and I'm excited about the possibilities. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, as far as the payroll goes, you know, it's still pretty hefty, even without Carlos Correa. And there was a really interesting interview that you gave to ESPN's Jeff Passan that was just posted uh, very, very recently. And, you know, in, in reading that, uh, you really do get a, a, a stronger sense of the wide disparity between the larger market teams and the higher payroll teams and those who, you know, frankly, put some money in their pockets along with, uh, you know, saying anyway that they spend it on player development. It is a wide disparity. But um, at this point, how essential is it to continue to spend while you wait for a farm system to take shape. And is this something, meaning surpassing the tax to the extent that you have so far, that you can see happening for the next two or three years or however long it takes to where you feel the farm system is built up to what you would like it to be? Listen, I mean, I made a commitment to the fans that I was going to put a great product on the field. And I inherited a farm system that was hollowed out. And I've been investing in the farm system, investing in new technologies, investing in personnel, trying to drive you know, the farm system to where I think it needs to go, you know, with obviously Billy at the helm. One of my markers of success, I have a couple markers, okay? One's going to be, let's win a World Series at some point, right? That would be fun. And then the second thing is I want to, I'm a big development guy. That's what I do at Point Seventy Two. You know, I develop a lot of my future stars internally at the firm. And I want to do the same, same thing at the Mets. I think the, the fans love when prospects come up. Um, they get excited by homegrown talent. Um, and, and I think, why can't we develop quality players in a consistent, sustainable way like some of the best clubs in the major leagues? And, and uh, that's my goal. And that's another marker of success. How far away do you think you are from that right now? Obviously, the scenario changes every year because of the yeah. draft. Bring new promising players into the organization. Every team does that. But what is your timeline for sustainability where you don't have to be as concerned about spending to the extent that you have so far? Listen, I, I, it's going to take at least three to, you know, three to five years. I mean, I, I consider last year really the first year we got – in the right place where we're making the changes that need to be made, uh, finding the right people to um, be part of the organization. And so that's step one, right? But in any turnaround, it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, a player that comes into an organization, it may take him five years to get to the major leagues. 
And so it's, you know, it's our goal to find those players, develop those players, um, turn good players into great players. And, and if we can accomplish that, I think it's going to, um, I think, I think, I think it's something that the organization is going to be proud of. And I think the fans are going to love it. So is the Dodger model that you looked at when you took over this team still the one that appeals most to you and still the one that you adhere to? Well, the way I would describe it is the Dodgers have won a lot of divisions, have actually won a World Series, and they have the number one farm system, according to uh, baseball analysts, uh, various analysts in the major leagues. It's a pretty good recipe. Okay, so uh, they've done a great job. There are other teams that do a great job, and and there's no reason in the world why we can't we can't do the same. And they've continued to spend too. And I saw in the passing article, and and you know in other places too, where uh, you know you felt, look, I'm I'm not doing anything the Dodgers didn't do X number of years ago, and the percentages over the uh, tax thresholds are pretty similar to what the Dodgers did. Um, do you feel when you know you're around other owners that they uh, they look at you from a different standpoint than they would even the Dodgers owners now? Is that part of the initiation of being a big spending new owner? And, and do you feel that, you know, you're looked at differently by the, the rest of them? You know, I really don't worry about stuff like that. You know, I mean, I'm really focused on the Mets and driving success for the Mets. And, and um, you know, I mean, I've laid out a plan that I think has been pretty clear. I'm laying out, laying out my goals. I've been consistent. I want a sustainable um, winning, and and you know, and, I, and and the way to have sustainable winning, I think, is to develop a strong farm system, and and and, and then supplement with free agents, and and if we can accomplish that, and I don't know why we can't, um, then um, I'm not going to worry about what other people think. I'm going to try to accomplish my goals, and and. Uh, Listen, I'm, I'm never satisfied. I'm always trying to improve the team. I mean, that's my goal. And so, um, you know, but we have to be thoughtful about it. We have to do it in a way that, that works, works for the team, you know, short-term, inter intermediate-term, long-term. You know, I'm always thinking about what's next. Um, I know Billy and the, team, and the uh, baseball operations team, they're always thinking about how to constantly improve the team. And by the way, we have some great prospects coming up. That uh, I think the you know obviously we we know about Alvarez we know about Beatty um, you know Vientos and there are others coming along and so you know hopefully they'll start to make an impact this year at some point and um, and we can look forward to um, you know accomplishing some of the goals that uh, I've laid out. And now that you've had a couple of years experience at this, have you gotten more involved in? not so much making the nuts and bolts baseball decisions, certainly from a contractual standpoint, if there's a big ticket player you're pursuing, obviously you're going to, you know, you're going to have to sign off on that. But have you gone into baseball operations at all with um, some ideas since you've been here or are you just leaving that to Billy and the staff? Generally I leave it to them. I have good questions. You know, I try to hold them accountable like I would anybody who works for me. Um, but they're, they're the experts. I'm not going to tell them what to do. But my job is to provide the resources that they need, um, you know, the ability to hire the people that they need so that we can accomplish the goals that I've just talked about. Um, I'm not going to pick the players. That's that's their job. If I got to pick the players, then we got a problem. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I'll let the experts pick them 
and um, and then my job is to make sure that you know they're supported enough so they can accomplish the goals that we've laid out. One of the goals you laid out from the very first time you spoke to the media as Mets owner was that you'd like to win a World Series within three to five years. I would assume nothing's changed as far as your wish list goes, but where do you feel you're at right now in terms of being able to satisfy that wish? Well, I haven't won it yet, right? And that's two years in, so time's running out. Um, hey, listen, you got to set high goals in life, right? I mean, if you don't set goals that are that seem hard to accomplish, you're not going to accomplish anything. So, you know, I've set high goals. I always set high goals for myself, and whether it, uh, you know, whether it's at the Mets or whether at my my point seventy two or other things I do in life, and um, and we're going to do our best to accomplish them. And and but ultimately, I think the what I've learned is to win a World Series, you got to put yourself in position every year, and then you get a little luck, and sometimes it falls your way. Only one team wins. Twenty nine teams lose. Okay, and there are a lot of good teams out there. And they're trying to do the same thing I'm trying to do. And so, but the, 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 I think the way to get there is to increase your probability. And increase your probability is to be in the playoffs on a consistent basis with a team that can go deep into the playoffs. We well, won 101 games during the regular season last year, yeah. and yet it ended in disappointing fashion. Yeah, so. listen, I mean, it happens, right? I mean, it, it, if, when we drew it up on the, on the board, it, that's not how we drew it up ending. And, um, but you, you know, listen, it gets back to my point. Once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen, but you got to keep putting yourself there. And if we keep putting ourselves there, things are going to fall our way at some point or another. Do you feel you're better now as a team than you were last October when it ended? Yeah, I do. I really do. I think, um, I think this is a team that's seasoned. Um, I think it's, um, you know, it's a team that, you know, likes playing together. Um, I think that year together, winning 100 win, wins, um, I think, you know, should embolden them, make them perhaps more confident. Uh, you know, a lot of players come to New York, and it's not easy adjusting right away. And um, so, um, you know, another year under their belt. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about how the team looks. We're going to be very competitive, and we'll see what happens. What do you take from last year that you really embrace and said, boy, that was great. That was special. That's something we can do on a sustainable basis year after year on the field and off. Yeah, listen, I mean, I mean, I, I went out to Milwaukee for the clinching into the playoffs and, and that was fun. Right. I mean, the Mets hadn't made the playoffs in, in a while. And so, you know, we got a little taste of of being in the playoffs and, and uh, obviously we want to go further. And so, um, you know, I, but that was an accomplishment, right? We won 101 games. Um, and, and, um, so, you know, it didn't end the way we wanted to, but overall I would call this, a, you know, a pretty successful season and moving the team in the right direction, you know, like, you know, things don't happen overnight, right? I mean, you got to measure progress along the way. And I think we, I think as an organization, we've made significant progress. Well, since you've taken over, you had to get the front office uh, in place. Billy Epler, of course, then Buck Showalter as manager. How do you evaluate their relationship, you know, in terms of uh, 
you know, being as much on the same page as a general manager and manager can be. And more to the point, where are you in terms of your relationship with both of them and how that dynamic operates? You know, I get along great with Buck and I get along great with Billy. I mean, I'm, listen, I'm talking to Billy every day. The organization is more than just Billy and, and, and Buck, right? There's a lot of talented people in the organization, a lot of talented people that we've hired over the last year. And, um, you know, building new uh, processes, bringing in new technology, new ways of doing things, improving the training of our players. Um, you know, listen, I hope, I assume it's going to pay off at some point, right? I mean, and, and uh, you know, obviously we talked about analytics before. And, you know, I'm investing in all parts of the organization. And, and uh, you know, listen, my, I'm used to doing this. I do this at 72. But you got to be patient, right? Because investments don't pay off right away. It'd be great if they did, but they don't always pay off right away. Can you kind of evaluate or sum up that technology and how enhanced it is from what existed when you got here and what specifically it does to improve the product on the field? The whole point is that, you know, is to take players that are already good at, you know, and talented and find ways to improve them. And I think we can do that. And other teams are doing that. And, and there's no reason in the world why, you know, utilizing technology, bringing in the best and brightest in the industry that, um, you know, we, 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 you know, why can't we take players and try to, you know, make them as, you know, get, get, you know, take their, get their potential to be whatever it can be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I enjoyed watching you uh, give Buck Showalter his National League Manager of the Year award recently at the Baseball Writers Dinner uh, yep. for you to have, you know, essentially been the one to sign off on hiring him and Billy Epler's recommendation. Uh, how gratifying was it to you? And um, just how much more can you take us inside the relationship that you have with Buck, who's yep. you know, got very strong ideas about how he runs a clubhouse and a game? And where do you fit in in terms of, little things you like to impart to someone who's been in the game his entire life. Listen, I'm, I might have an idea and I'll throw it by Billy and, or have Billy talk to Buck on it. And, uh, but it's actually, I, I, they do their thing. Okay. I mean, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I was able to track someone of Buck's quality and uh, you know, it's a total professional. The players love playing for him. I think he won some games for us last year, you know, with, with how, he thinks about the, the game while it's happening. He prepares our ball players for all sorts of situations that, um, you know, I wouldn't even be able to think about or even thought that was important. And so, um, you know, we got, a, we, got a, we got a great guy. Players love him. Fans love him. It kind of fits my philosophy of best and brightest. Has your style changed as you've evolved over these last couple of years and kind of gotten comfortable with owning a baseball team is all about. Have you changed in terms of maybe your vision for how that was going to play out and how it's operating right now? 
Yeah, listen, you learn, right? So, you know, the way you thought it was going to be versus the way it is. I mean, you know, running a baseball team, you know, it's still, it's a small business, but it's actually pretty complicated. I mean, there's a lot that goes into creating a team that can win 101 times. And the amount of um, effort that's put in by the entire staff and, you know, and in, in, in finding and in, in deciding who we're going to, Put on the roster, um, you know how how all that works. I mean, what's going on in the minor leagues? Um, you know, what, I mean, the, the the amount of forward thinking that has to take place, how to build your starting rotation. Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of intricacies that have to be dealt with, and uh, it's a lot more complicated than someone on the outside looking in c- can imagine, and so. Um, I mean, the fans don't always see what's really going on, and um, but it, there's a lot of thought put into day-to-day stuff, and uh, but that's what it takes to compete. I mean, you know, because we're competing against 29 other teams that are doing the same thing. One of the things you told us in that very first Zoom and, frankly, the very first press conference that you had after becoming the owner was that you wanted to work as hard as possible to uh, embrace the tradition and the history of the franchise, and, and more than anything, welcome the alumni back uh, into a situation where they feel connected to the team again. And having been part of Old Timers Day last year, uh, I could tell you how incredibly special that was because every one of those players on the field had the same expression. I mean, it was almost like baseball Woodstock, you yeah. know, seeing the way those guys uh, were just so happy to feel a part of things again. How can you do things like that? I, I don't expect a full-blown old-timers day like that where you, yeah. you know, bring back as many as you did. But well, what kind of things do you plan on doing with the alumni to keep them engaged on a regular basis? Listen, I mean, they want to, they want to be engaged. And, and um, they care about the Mets. And it was so great seeing everybody enjoy themselves. I mean, I guess we hadn't had an old-timers day since 1994, mm-hmm. which remarkable and so uh, I called it like sort of low-hanging fruit that was an easy one to do I mean I knew I you know it went even better than I ever imagined I mean I was sitting in the locker room with um, a lot of the 86 Mets and um, the stories they were telling I mean it was just phenomenal I was just like this is great did they clean them up for you or no well they they definitely uh, gave me the PG version and and uh, and uh, but I mean you know, so, I mean, being out on the field and you can see how much fun they were having. And so, and the fans loved it too, right? It was just an incredible day, an incredible day to have, you know, such incredible memories of, of your favorite ball players. And, and so, uh, you know, I was really happy the way it went. But it's the type of stuff we can do, right? I mean, you know, I'm still uh, thinking about Bobby Bonilla Day, if I can get him. To, you know, now, what, I mean, would that, what would that entail? I'm not, you know, we'd have to design it, but I'm telling you, it would be fun, okay? And and we'd love to have Bobby do it. And uh, he's, he, you know, he travels around with his son, who's a terrific golfer. And um, so he has to, you know, hopefully his schedule can make it work. Uh, but if not, if he can't do it this year, I'll be on him next year. So, so I'm envisioning, like, this big ceremony on the field on July 1st. I got to so find a big piece of cardboard and that really? big check. I mean, it's got to be big, though. You know? Okay, so. I got one of those. That sounds, if you're throwing those around, that sounds like a good idea. 
right? <laughs> I'm, you know, just like, and then let him figure out how to carry it home. Well, here's, here's the thing about that. Um, you would get great coverage, national. Yeah. I yes. mean, it would, you, yeah. you would think that most people would take it in the spirit in which it's intended. It'd be fun. You know, I just go with my instincts and, you know, let's, let's just have fun with it because it's become almost an iconic day. You know, it's become, you know, something that just became viral. And so why not just go with it and then make, you know, enjoy it and, and uh, you know, make it fun. Is Bobby on the same page with that? If he can make it, you know, if. Yeah, I think Bobby, I think Bobby is thinking about it and considering it. And I've had good conversations with him. So we'll see. You know, who knows? It would get you a lot of attention, that's for sure. And it's also, you know, so I think we're playing the Giants this year, San Francisco Giants. So it's a good, you know, it'll be, it'll be a great day at the ballpark. I know there has been talk about uh, a commercial that you might be running on the Super Bowl. Is that, is that happening? That is happening. Okay. I mean, uh, I've seen a preview of it. I think it's great. Andy Goldberg, my, my chief marketing officer, came to me with the idea. That's what I love. I love when ideas come out of the organization that are new and different. You know, some are going to work and some are going to just fall, you know, be, be duds. But, you know, if you don't experiment and try new things. And I, so we're trying something new. Right. And I think the fans are going to love it. And, uh, I hope, you know, I think it's a, a commercial well done. It's, it's funny. They'll enjoy it. By way of a sneak preview, is there anything you could at least tip us off to about what it's about? Well, you know, we had, we had the previews, right, of uh, perusing, you know, the camera perusing the different desks and trying to identify, you know, who, whose desk it was. And so the, the players will be part of this commercial. You know, those players are going to be in Port St. Lucie before you know it. And so it's been fun looking back on 2022, but it's all about 2023 now. And, uh, Steve, we really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Forward to a big season for the Mets. Thank you for doing this. And uh, yeah, we're only, what are we, a week away? You know, a little more than a week. You know, I can't wait. Uh, you know, so let, let's, let's, let's get it going. All right, Steve. Thank you very much. That is the owner of the New York Mets, Steve Cohen. And so if you consider this to have been a win for the Mets, it's our first put it in the books for 2023. And hopefully there will be many, many more. Thanks for joining us. No, we're, we're really excited, you know. It's, I got to see Eduardo today um, and Francisco and Beatty and just more guys are starting to pour in. And, uh, you know, it just reminded me how much I loved this team last year and how much fun I had with them. And I can't wait to start another season with them. Uh, it's going to be a blast. And we're just excited to get uh, to know the new guys. Um, you know, we got a lot of new guys that we're coming to, uh, coming to learn. And so we're going to get everybody to try and pull the same end of the rope and, uh, and get the spring training started on the, on the right foot. Something that's really special in today's game, not many guys get to start with a team and end with a team. And uh, that's my goal here, and, and I'm so excited that I got to sign the contract this, this offseason. Um, you know, it really is a dream come true. Um, if, if you would have asked us if everything worked out just right, you know, this is how it would have worked out. You know, we would have been coming back and, 
And so we're so excited about it, and we're excited to pursue a World Series with, uh, with the Coens and the rest of the Mets organization. Putting it all together, the hitting, the running, the throwing, making sure that it all comes together so that we're first and foremost healthy. Uh, you can't help the team if you're not on the field. And then secondly, just trying to build on last year. I felt like there was a lot of things that I did really well last year. And so just trying to build on those and become a more consistent player. Uh, I think there's always room for improvement, but we're also not trying to reinvent the wheel here. You know, just kind of make things a little bit more consistent, work on the small things, um, and just become a better player overall.